Hey there, friends. It's Misty. I'm back with another episode of Marketing Sweats. This season, I'm talking to some of the leaders behind the Choose Greater Peoria movement to help our community grow and thrive. Today, I'm sitting down with someone who's been driving collaboration among businesses, government, and health and human services organizations to help improve the lives of those in our community for years. I'm talking about the president of the Heart of Illinois United Way, Jennifer Zamuto. The Heart of Illinois United Way is one of our community's most unique nonprofit organizations. It's the largest non-governmental investor in local health and human care programs in Central Illinois, and the local chapter celebrated its 100th anniversary in 2021. In this interview, you'll hear about the work that the Heart of Illinois United Way is doing to ensure the fundamentals of education, financial stability, and health care are available to all individuals in our community. Jennifer is a true servant leader and is actively involved with a number of organizations serving on boards for the Greater Peoria EDC, LISC of Central Illinois, CEO Council, Regional Workforce Alliance, the Healthcare Collaborative, the Tri-County Partnership for a Healthy Community, and more. We're super excited to have Jennifer's experience and support to build the engine that is Choose Greater Peoria. So let's jump right in and talk with her about that. Talk soon. Hello, Marketing Sweats fans. Today we have Jennifer Zamuto. She is the president of the Heart of Illinois United Way. Welcome. I'm so happy you're here. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thanks again for joining us. I would love for you to start and tell us a little bit about your background and your story, how you came up in the world. Sure. So um, I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago and I always thought I would be living on Michigan Avenue and having some job that, you know, in an international business. And um, I ended up going to Northern Illinois University, okay. even though I really wanted to go to Bradley okay. or Thunderbird in Arizona. And I had a great experience and I ended up living, ended up living in France. I was a French major. I was about to graduate and I thought, I can't tell anyone I can speak French. I better go. <laughs> and I um, had a wonderful experience. And I'd seen a lot of people that came back and didn't use their French and it went away. And I thought, I don't want to put all this work into this and then lose it. So right. I applied. This is back in the day. Um, this is going to sound old fashioned. You had to go to Kinko's and print out your resume on that <laughs> special paper. And I mailed off my resume to a company in Chicago that needed someone that spoke French to do marketing. And oh my um, it ended up being a company here in Peoria, Illinois called no L.R. Nelson Corporation, which Funny. was Dave uh, Ransberg's company. And I really thought, Peoria. I didn't apply for a job in Peoria. Sure. I'll go for the interview minimum. Right. I'm not taking the job. Right. The job was perfect. Their head office was in the south of France, right where I had lived. Oh my God. And I thought six months, you know, that's yeah. it. I'm out. And right. that was in 1994. I didn't know that part of your story. <laughs> yeah. It was very interesting. So I learned a lot about the irrigation industry and yeah. I spent a lot of time in Europe traveling around dealing with people that worked in municipalities and talking to them about their irrigation systems, okay. which is kind of random. Yeah. And from there, uh, Jane Converse used to work at L.R. Nelson okay. years ago. I didn't know that either. Before she started Converse Marketing. And I we became friends and I ended up working at Converse Marketing for about nine years. I knew that. And I did scheduling, which is a very yeah. interesting job. And then I was also a project manager, which is how I got connected with Caterpillar. And I did a lot of work with Caterpillar Financial. Sure. And then ended up working at Caterpillar and Communications for a while and did the annual report, and reputation campaign. And then in 2009, they said, how about the Caterpillar Foundation? And I really thought, this is going to be a piece of cake compared to everything else I've done. Sure. I was so wrong. <laughs> um, it was a really tough year because budgets were down and I didn't really have a way to manage the requests that were coming in and the smaller budget 
So we reached out to the heart of Illinois United Way to figure out what kind of a process they used. Okay. And I was there for about 10 years at Caterpillar, and I've been now at the United Way for about five years. Interesting. What an interesting career path. So do you still use your French? A petit peu. Just a little. <laughs> I tried tried to speak to my kids in French and that didn't really stick. I love it. But when I get a chance, I still have a pen pal who's about 90 yeah. and we write letters back and forth and I try <laughs> to use it when I can. So if anyone ever needs a translator, happy yeah. to do that. Well, as I've gotten to know you, you do have this amazing hybrid skill of communication, marketing, PR, fundraising. So how do you like think about your career? How do you describe yourself? You know, who would have? I never would have thought I would have been in this job doing this kind of work. But when I look back and I think about all those different experiences, it all you know builds up to something. And I think especially when I was working at Converse Marketing, to have to be the person doing the scheduling, which means you have to understand creative people, which I tend to be a very, you know, kind of literal black and white brain, but to understand what they needed from a scheduling standpoint and from, you know, how do they be creative? It's hard to be creative on a schedule, right? Look in a box, yeah. People, uh, creatives don't like time boxing. I know that yeah, running an agency. <laughs> but I was also a project manager and I had to understand what our clients wanted. And so to really kind of sit in the middle and it's a translation job, really, yeah. right? So to be able to translate to the writers and designers what the client wants and to be able to translate back to the client, all right, you're asking me for this, but it sounds like maybe you need this or here's how long this is going. You know how, yeah. how that goes. So it's a, it was a very interesting role. And I think I spent a lot of time translating, Oh my gosh. even though it's all in English. Do you think that's your superpower? I kind of think it is. Translating, maybe. Maybe. I, you know, the role that you play in rooms often is like integrating everybody's perspective. So your brain must work that way. It is. It's, it's kind of hard to see when you're in the middle of it, but you know, it's very easy in retrospect to look back and say, oh, there's a pattern here. Right. And to try to figure out what that is. Absolutely. So tell me about your experience moving to Peoria or what, you know. It was, yeah. I mean, you know, I was, I came for the job and this was, you know, Back in the early 90s, things were very different, right? Yeah. We didn't have social media like we have today. I lived in a very small apartment at Cody Court on Moss in Union Hill, which was cool. wonderful. I remember the rent was $285 at the time. <laughs> and downtown was such a great place to be. And there were bars and restaurants and it was a lot of fun. And, and we made very good friends. And, you know, I wasn't really involved in giving back at all. It was really more about work and friends and life. And right. I remember United Way kind of coming to Converse Marketing when I was there and Nelson. And I remember thinking, oh, I really don't understand what they're talking about, but right. it seems like something everyone else is doing. Yeah. And I think as time grew, I also realized, you know, something that was important to me. I grew up outside of Chicago like you did. We'd go into the city and go to clubs. And I really liked that part of life. But as time has gone on, I've really appreciated kind of having the access to a city. Yeah. I live in the suburbs now in right. Washington. <laughs> I like that too for kids and things. It's 20 minutes into work. But I also like being able to get outside and take the dogs out. And this really unique thing about Peoria is that we're urban and suburban and rural all right. within about a 20, 30 minute radius. Which is so cool. It is. Yeah. It's great. Well, I'm looking back at some of the history here on your little resume and you are so involved in so many boards. It says you served on several committees before becoming president of the United Way. So was that always just in you to kind of be a connector or did you kind of have to push yourself? You know, I don't think that growing up, we really talked about philanthropy or giving back in the same way. But I was looking back at one of my high school yearbooks and the, the list of clubs I was involved in was very long. Okay. I think what it is, is I just really like people. Yeah, I think you do too. Maybe I should have been a sociologist <laughs> or something. I, don't know. I, I enjoy people. I enjoy the weirdness of people. Yeah. Um, I enjoy kind of the idea that it's all a puzzle yeah. and each piece isn't the same. They're all shaped differently. They have different pictures on them. But when you put it all together, that's what really kind of makes this beautiful picture. And I think this idea of 
how do I get close to people? How do I be involved with other people? It has always kind of fascinated me. And I, I like understanding the big picture so right. that we can do a good job yeah. for the organization. So that makes well, it fun. I think you're such a helper. And I know I feel this way and others have shared with me that having you in the room, you often have really good ideas. You're constantly connecting dots and offering perspective and being supportive. So thank you for doing that for the yeah. Choose Greater Peoria initiative. But talk a little bit about your journey to the United Way and when you came into the organization, what it was like and sort of maybe what you've done with it since. Well, I think it's an excellent organization and it hasn't been around for a hundred years just because I've been here for the last five. Yeah, tell right? us about it. Many people may not even know what you do there. I think most people don't. Honestly, they hear United Way and they think charitable stuff. Sure. Probably we ought to do something. Um, and really what we do is we ensure that donors' dollars are well invested in strong charitable organizations and programs. And I really try to push people to ask tougher questions about what they do with their charitable dollars. I think we all tend to be very rigid, or at least I try to be, about where my dollars are going, whether it's my 401k, grocery store, or the gas station, or something you buy. But we tend to think about charitable giving with our hearts only, Yeah, which is wonderful, right? We all care about particular causes, whether it's your church or animals or something you've been personally impacted by. It's very important. But why do we then all of a sudden fall off a cliff and say, but who cares if there's a return on investment yeah. because it's something I care about. Right. So when you think about brands you love, I think this all goes back to marketing too, right? If you love a certain brand of shoes or clothes, you don't just buy it blindly. You think about, oh, I want that new pair. I'm going to wait maybe another couple of weeks till it goes on sale or, or, you know, you make thoughts and decisions around your purchasing because you like the return on investment, whatever that is. Right. It should be the same with your charitable giving. And if you don't have the time or the energy or the access to do that on your own, we do that for you at yeah. United Way. I know you do. And that's cool. You told me about that program. So talk a little bit about that process and I guess your role in that as leader. So the process that we have is, first of all, we have a very small team at United Way, 15 people, and we have hundreds and hundreds of volunteers, which helps us keep our costs down, which is really sure. important. And we have dollars come in from donors that then we have a group of volunteers that helps us decide where those should go. And it's not based on feelings. There's an art and a science to it. Right. It's not all black and white. You couldn't just plug it into a, a computer program and have something spit out at the end. So we look at the financial health of the organization overall. We look at individual programs. So we might have one of our partner agencies submit for four or five programs. And they all might get funded. They all might not. Because it's not just about here's some money, do whatever you want with it. You've told us you're going to serve 100 kids in that after school program great. We want to see that. We also want to see how you change their knowledge or their behavior somehow so that there is a return on investment and outcome right. from the program. We measure that. We make sure things are going along really well. And the great news is that I don't make the decisions and my team members don't make the decisions. The volunteers make the decisions mm -hmm. on behalf of the community. And I think that that's really important. But it's not just about the score that they get at the end of all of that. It's a weighted scale based on all these different factors. And we make sure that they're continually improving. But then we also ask ourselves the tough questions around, okay, if, if we don't fund this after-school program and it's the only one in that geography, what happens? Right. And so it's even like when you think about investing in the stock market, sometimes you take some risk because yeah. it's worth it in the end. Some of our programs, even if they're not performing at an A-plus level, it's worth a little bit of risk to serve people, to help get those people to a better place. And something that's really unique about United Way, I think, is not only do we walk alongside our donors and make sure their dollars are well invested, we walk alongside our partner agencies and we help them grow and we help them get better. And I don't think there is another organization that does that. And I think that's really important because we're not just saying figure it out yourself. Right. We're here alongside you to help you do better, to help you get better. And that's better for the whole community. 
listening to you talk, I mean, I love the process. And like you said, I feel like you're helping the whole nonprofit community in Peoria be healthier through your consultation. And the few times you and I have had time to sit down and talk about this, you can kind of see it from a bird's eye view and how it's all connected. And so why is that important to business in the area? Well, I really think charities should be run like businesses. And most of them are. I think we tend to, again, think about them with our hearts. My experience in the business world is about getting the work done in the most efficient, effective ways, just to get the biggest return on investment, whether it was in the irrigation world, whether it was from a marketing standpoint and ensuring, hey, the client's paying us X amount for this this work. Let's get it done as efficiently and effectively as we can, or whether it was a caterpillar. And we need to do the same with our charitable work. It's really important that we can run our businesses efficiently and effectively. Just right. because they're nonprofit doesn't mean it's not a business. Yes. So being able to take that perspective is important. And it's a really interesting place to sit because while we don't serve people directly at the United Way, except for through a couple of our smaller programs, we get to see what our partner agencies are doing. And it gives us the opportunity to serve them, right. to help share the challenges that they're facing with either elected officials or other people in the community, or just to say, hey, have you talked to so-and-so? Because right. you're having the same challenge. You should figure that out together. How does a business get started engaging with you? Oh, gosh, it's very easy. My team is is really, this is something I just really love. and. I love having highly engaged teams because it makes my job easier. Maybe right. that's lazy. I don't know. <laughs> I, I like being an engaged employee and I like having engaged teams. Our team is so solid. Everybody runs at 120% all the time. And we make it very easy for our volunteers to get involved and we make it very easy for businesses. And what I think is very interesting, and this year has been kind of a shift, there have been certain several businesses that kind of walk around with their hands out saying, please, won't you give to United Way? Yeah. Which has been kind of the traditional ask. and. I think that we should think about this differently. Okay. Having a United Way campaign is good for your business. Right. Because it's a chance to engage your employees. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're not going to be at your business for 40 years like people used to be. Maybe right. you only have them for a couple of years and it's a chance to infuse your brand and your reputation with that employee. It's a chance to find out who are leaders in your organization. Give them the opportunity to lead your United Way campaign. Right. It doesn't have to be on the shoulders only of a few people spread out the the responsibility and say, show me how well you can do. It's a chance to just have fun with your teams and, and do some, some great work and a chance to educate them around the best ways to invest their charitable dollars, whether it's with United Way or somewhere else. Yeah. How do employees then hear about the outcome after the campaign? It depends. They have lots of opportunities. We have um, programs where people can come in and be grant volunteers. That's how I really started understanding where I wanted to spend my time in the community, because as a grant allocation volunteer, you get to see all the United Way programs, how well they function, how well the nonprofits work, what their missions are. Um, so that's a great way to see it, see the work in action. And it's one of those things, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Right. And they have all kinds of, we have a website, we have social media, we try to tell the stories as much as we can. And our partner agencies are honestly, truly incredible. And they do a great job of telling their stories and I think, you know, I tend to lean on the data side of it. Sure. But there are also some really heartwarming, sometimes very scary, horrible stories of people having gone through real challenge, but coming out on the other side because of the incredible yeah. programmatic work oh, that our that's nonprofits cool. do. Yeah. I was going to ask you, because I can tell you're sort of data-driven. You mentioned that earlier, <laughs> which I love about you. But I also totally see you as a connector. And one of the cool things I've seen you do is because you are so close to both business leaders and nonprofit leaders, you plug them into one another and say, this organization maybe needs some marketing help or, you know, financial help or whatever it might be. Is that a part of your job you love? It is. You know, I, so I've got kind of a weird background. My mom is a Russian Jew and my dad was Irish Catholic. And so I, growing up, I never realized that that was too weird, but I think I've got a little <laughs> bit of Yenta in me. So I like to connect people. And I think that part of that too is 
the reason that's, that Central Illinois is such a unique place and the reason that our nonprofits are so successful here is because we have a community that gives back not only financially, but of their talents and their time. Right. And maybe it's because we're not commuting and spending four or five hours a day doing that, that we've got the time to give back. We are big enough that you can have a job here and make a real impact, but not too small that everybody knows absolutely everyone. Sure. And so one of the things we have at United Way is a website that connects volunteers with volunteer opportunities. So any nonprofit can put in their opportunity, any volunteer can come in and look for either hey, I just want to see what's out there. Or you can set up a skills-based profile that says, I'm an IT expert, I'm a marketing expert, whatever that is, I'm a finance person. And that really helps our nonprofits get better. If we had to hire all of these experts onto our teams, it would be too expensive and it wouldn't make sense for us to do the work. So by getting these incredible volunteers in the door to be experts to help us do a great job, it allows us to do the work that we need to do. That's so cool. Well, and I know we've talked a lot about the idea that as part of the greater, choose greater part of our campaign, that it's true that the people here give greater. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you see that firsthand? Sure. This is something, again, we talked about this. United Way has been around for 100 years. And Sally Snyder, if you know her, she'll tell you when she was a little girl, her mom would take her around to Ben Franklin, the, the, the drugstore, and they'd go ask for people to give money to United oh, Way. So cool. this has been, I think, part of our DNA. I think it's a, a very Midwest maybe kind of value to give back because it feels good too. It feels yes. good to give back to your community, whether it's dollars, whether it's your talents, whether it's just helping. And I think it's such an important part of of who we are, but it also makes us all better and yeah. it makes us connected to each other in ways that maybe you can't be in a larger city unless you're joining some sort of small club or something where everyone is, is a lot like you. And I think this kind of brings us all together people even that wouldn't necessarily be in the same room together. I love that. I see it so often. Well, I would be remiss too if I didn't ask about your Heart of Illinois 211 referral line partnership. So talk about that. Sure. So 211 has been around for 10 years, started in 2013, right before the tornado that hit Washington and Pekin and East Peoria. And from the first moment it started, we had calls coming in. And basically, it's like 911 for non-medical emergencies. So if someone needs housing or food or utility assistance or help with an elderly parent or a child that has a disability or just about anything health and human service related, we connect them in with all of the services available in our community. So and I cool. Think, I know. And well, it's hard for people, right? Who, who has all that information in their brain every day of everything that's available? We tend to know what we need based on when we need it. Right. And so a lot of times we think, oh... I didn't, I didn't even know I needed that kind of help. We get about 10,000 calls a year. Oh my gosh. And this, this 211 is incredible. It sits over at AMT and Andrew Rand and the team there are incredible partners with us. It's a free service that anyone can use and it really helps us connect people with the services, but it's also a data source for us. Yeah. So anytime that we want to look at the data on a day-to-day basis, on a week-to-week basis, on a month-to-month basis, we can see where the needs are and how they're changing wow. so we can get our partner agencies ready for or talking to us about what's happening. And that helps us do a great job. And it's updated every single day. That's so cool. So we never send someone to a food bank that's closed or to a bed that isn't open. And we should probably talk about homelessness as well. It's a great way for us to connect with people that are homeless into our prioritization system for homelessness. Wow. Okay. Well, my friend Carrie here who helps me with the podcast said the Heart of Illinois United Way is the largest non-governmental investor in local health and human services, which I think is an interesting way to think about it. And it's just crazy to me that you still feel, given the breadth of your sort of influence, that people still don't know your story. So talk a little bit about how you're working on that, maybe what's on the horizon for your organization. Sure. It's, I think every organization deals with this, right? Unless someone needs you for something, they don't know who you are. And 
when you say, we've been talking about this at United Way Worldwide, and they're trying to do some rebranding, because when you say United Way, people don't necessarily know what that means. And it's a difficult, look at how long it's taken us to talk about it here. Yeah. It's a it's an interesting story, which is why we do campaigns in businesses, okay. because it gives us a chance to get to a lot of people with a lot of education around who we are and what we do and how we add value right. to the community. And I think sometimes people want to hear maybe more about what's the challenge in the community and how we're fixing it, which certainly we can do that. And every year we kind of adjust a little bit in the way we're talking about it. This idea of having employees lead the campaign, getting them educated around the best ways to invest, to think about this with your heart and with data. I think the biggest thing for us too is we're constantly changing and improving. We ask that of our nonprofits to use a continuous improvement process, which comes from the days of Caterpillar. And we do the same. We're always, there's some there's some weird thing around the corner that none of us can see right now. We don't know what it is, but we have to be ready for it. And so right. we're always asking ourselves internally, that was great today. Yeah. How can we make it better? And I've had some really tough leaders in my time, and I, I mean that in a good way, that would really push me to say, that was fine today, but I think it can be better. And I'd kind of leave with that little pit in my stomach <laughs> feeling bad. But I think if we're not constantly pushing ourselves to be better the next day, yeah. we won't be ready for whatever is around the corner. Well, I hope you see this, but you are offering that leadership to other nonprofit leaders every single day. And I've had so many coffee meetings where people have said, you know, Jennifer pushed me in to have this conversation. And so are you leveraging the insights you're using to sort of infiltrate your message in the businesses and helping the other leaders learn how to do the same, even if they don't have the same resources you do? Yes. And really, you know, think about it. What does it cost us to talk to each other? Right. Nothing. Right. (laughs) And so in order, by connecting people, by the way, then I don't have to sit in the room and say, here, go do this. We have so many talented people around here. Sometimes they just need that little nudge yeah, absolutely. Uh, to, to connect with somebody that has something similar in common with them or they've got a way that they can both support each other. Yeah. And really, I think when we can recognize those connections and get people in the same room, it's very easy to do. That's awesome. All right. Well, is there anything else you want to share with us about Heart of Illinois United Way before I ask you a little bit about Choose Greater? Well, we do a lot in regards to homelessness and we have a continuum of care for all the federal and state dollars that come in. And this community does an incredible job of that. We have gotten to a point where if there's a veteran that needs a bed, we have a bed for them. We're on the verge of a new project with Phoenix Community Development where families will all have a place to go, a 55 unit space that will have wraparound services. And then what that does is not only does it get families out of homelessness, it changes the lives of those children for the long term. Oh so gosh. that's pretty exciting. That's, that's a short super version heartwarming. Of that. I love that. Okay, cool. Switching over to Choose Greater, you have been involved pretty much from the ground up on this effort. I think back to the workshops we held almost a year ago to talk about what were some of the biggest community needs and how do we prioritize those. And as you know, talent attraction, the Peoria brand, the positive Peoria all came up. But you have been a consistent leader that shows up every single time to every single meeting and sort of like, you know, offers those words of wisdom and encouragement. So just talk a little bit about what you've seen in this journey and how it's starting to feel like a sort of movement or change. Well, first, I wasn't sure I belonged in the room because everybody <laughs> else there is running a business as a CEO. But very quickly, I came to see the, the voice of the nonprofit community is very important to our businesses. And I think the theme here is collaboration. Right. 
And when we're talking about either any kind of community challenge, whether it's related to homelessness or anything else that we're dealing with, we can't expect one set of entities to fix it. Business can't fix all the problems. Government can't fix all the problems. Educational institutions can't fix all the problems. Nonprofits can't do it. But when we come together, really, we can say, okay, this, these problems are complicated and they're big and they need everybody at the table bringing their own special skill. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's been very interesting, I think, to see how the the group as a whole has looked at the nonprofit portion of our community, not just as maybe an afterthought, right. but as an integral part of what makes this community a great place to live and work. And I think it's another great reason why people should want to move here. You can do a lot in this community. You can give back in ways that are easy and simple and really have a great impact. Absolutely. Well, give us a peek behind the curtain. So as you've gone on the journey with us and we get together and we talk about how the the effort is performing and pivots we can make, it seems like everyone's really leaned in to just continue to optimize and you are offering a lot of those ideas. Well, thanks. I think it's so important. It is really kind of complicated, right? It's it's building up the brand of Peoria so that people understand why this is a great place to live. Right. And I think the interesting thing is we don't, it's not like we have billboards all around us here because sure. we're trying to get people that don't live here to want to come here. Yes. And I think the the interesting idea around how we connect people in as opposed to just individual businesses trying to recruit, but saying we collectively as a community believe that this is a great place to live for a variety of different reasons. It's a great place for businesses to come. We've got a strong workforce. It's a great place to raise a family. It's a great place to try to get your kids around to all the sports activities and things you need to do. And so really that makes it easy. But the interesting part, I think, especially because of my background in media too, was this doesn't happen overnight. Just because you put one billboard up, we are not going to see a change right. in a significant a way. Term. It takes a long time. And changing brands and reputation is something that happens over a long period of time with surprising advertising. And I think that the advertising is very unique to help people say, gosh, maybe I should think about that. Changing your life is a big deal. Moving somewhere to a different city for a different job is a big deal. And I think that the long-term success of this will be not just hiring at the top levels in companies, but hiring at all levels, getting people to this community, seeing the magic that is here. And then we've got this beautiful workforce that we won't have to kind of recruit from other places because yes. we've built up our internal workforce in a way that we've got what we need. I love right that you here. went there. You know, this effort started as more of a senior talent attraction or executive recruitment effort, and it really has widened to all kinds of levels of leaders and people, even students are applying now. And I'm super excited about that. So thanks for just mentioning that there was some infrastructure that needed laid. You know, we didn't have like a one-stop shop website. We didn't have sort of a database, right? And so that has, that you get that stuff having been in marketing, how critical it is. But we've, we now have two prongs to the campaign. So we have the ambassador idea and we have so many ambassadors throughout Peoria that are doing it in a very formal way, but then a very informal way, just leveraging social media and other things, telling their story and why they're proud. But then we have this really cool asterisk campaign that people in Peoria probably even haven't seen. And it's challenging, you know, places like Chicago saying, you know, Peoria maybe is better than Chicago in some ways. And it's getting a lot of eyeballs and questions. So it's kind of been fun to sort of tell our story, punch above our weight class, as we've been saying. And I can tell by your smile that you agree that there's just a lot of good here in terms of what the story we can tell. Yeah. And I think maybe what we should do is take some pictures of those billboards and put them on social media so people can see. It is exciting. And I think if we can start getting people here to see that, we also need ambassadors within the existing community. And we have a lot of those. And there's some people who maybe feel like this isn't the best place to live. Um, But I think if you start to compare and contrast and to see, you know, while certainly it's not 
perfect. No place is. There's so much good. And if we can leverage that, absolutely, we'll all thrive. Cool. I guess I'd ask, what other positive change have you seen? I think because we're still sort of in the midst of our very first six months of this effort, we have yet to report out like all of our tangible KPIs and outcomes, and we're going to have those. But I don't know about you, Jennifer, I feel something shifting. We monitor like social media sentiment and that sort of thing. And like when we started this effort, I remember Doug Overhelm and said, there's a lot of negativity out there, even in the news, but I'm hearing more positive stories because of this. I think so too. I've been feeling the shift for for a little while now where We've talked about collaboration for a very long time, and I think it takes a while for us to talk about it. Change management is very interesting, right? It takes a long time for our brains to get comfortable with change. And we're really collaborating in so many different ways. The work that's happening through the Regional Workforce Alliance, bringing people together to ensure that students know what their job opportunities are. People are trained and credentialed through the work at ICC. We've got a workforce that's ready. The EDC can do their job to bring businesses in. The nonprofit community is ready to receive we can make sure people feel connected and rooted here. There's so much good. And I think we're, we've been talking and slowly walking and now we're trying to, we're picking up the pace and this yeah. collaborative work is really starting to, I think, help people feel the change mm-hmm. and it's getting it as a part of our DNA mm-hmm. as a community to really be connected for us to be talking about this today. Probably wouldn't have had this conversation Absolutely. five, 10 years ago. And I think people maybe don't understand the urgency too. Right. You know, Laura Cullinan, who's leading the effort and also on the podcast this season, has reminded me like, we got to make sure all employees at every business and every nonprofit understand what's in it for them. And I know, you know, with Caterpillar's departure of their executive team, while there's still 12,000 plus employees here, that was part of the story that we need to sort of bring that senior level talent here. But for me as a business owner, it's like if my community's not thriving, it's going to be hard to grow my business. And so I think that's all, regardless of talent attraction, while that's a huge priority, it's more than that. It's like we all have to step up and take some accountability. Well, and really it is very, very personal. If, if you give a dollar out of your pocket to help someone else, we will all flourish when someone else in our community isn't thriving. Right. You know how it is even in your business world. If someone on your team is having a bad day or a bad week or a bad month, it, it impacts everyone. everyone yeah. And think about what that means from a community standpoint or an economic standpoint. Right. If we're all thriving, we will all do better. Right. And we can do that. We can do that. Yeah. I just have been so thankful for you. I've told you on a personal level, you've sent me such words of encouragement as I've been going through a bit of journey myself. So thanks for who you are and you just lift people up and we're so lucky to have you as a leader in our community. I feel lucky to be here. And honestly, (laughs) I think, you know, it's just not that hard to make friends and to connect with people. And the more I do this, I used to think, oh, it would be hard to be in a job like that. And while it's hard in other ways, the people side of it is not. It's really fun and enjoyable. And I really, I really love this. So thank you. I love it. Well, speaking of that, let's talk a little bit about your leadership philosophy. You said you have 15 team members. How do you lead? What are some of your day-to-day core beliefs? You know, I always wondered if I would be a good leader. And, you know, I'm a firstborn. We tend to be very, you know, come on, let's go. Sure. And over time, I've softened. And, you know, sometimes I, when I look back on my career and the leaders that I've had, I used to think, oh, that was a good leader or that was a bad leader. And the more that I, I think about it now, they were all great leaders because yeah. I learned something. Sure. Sometimes it was more challenging than I wanted it to be. But honestly, those were the times that I grew the most. And yeah. so I, I try to take that philosophy with my team. And to be very honest, as long as you are doing your job and things are running smoothly, I don't care where you sit. Right. I care deeply about you, but I do not care where you sit. I want you to have a good experience at work. Right. You've got, you know, everyone has kind of a different life story. Everyone's got something going on. So I'll just talk to my team and say, what do you need to be successful? Someone might say, I need flexibility. I've got three crazy kids at home and life is nuts. 
great. Yeah. Get your job done. Lean on me if you need help. I used to think that maybe you had to be mean and tough (laughs) to be a leader. I think you have to be tough, but in a fair way. And I really just try to support my team. They make it so easy. I love the people that I've worked with have become friends. And I think when we feel like, gosh, we're working with this group of people we really enjoy, it doesn't feel like work. I couldn't agree with that more. We talk about that a lot at Symantle, sort of this life work integration seems to be a theme right now. And it sounds like you lead your organization in a way that like you can get to know people, right? Right. You have to live your life with these folks. Well, and I think that's how you kind of get to the, the weirdness of people. And I mean that in a complimentary way. I always say we've got a weird little family at United Way. Everyone is different. Everyone's got their own process. While we have standard processes we use, everyone's got their own way of kind of getting there. And it wouldn't work if we were all exactly the same. Yeah. And so this idea of if I understand that this is your strength and this is your strength and this is your weakness and this is your weakness, then we can say, all right, this person's going to do this because they're better at it. And this right. person's going to do this. And when then we're not wasting our time or our energy because who's got I know who's got time for that? <laughs> and I think everyone feels better when they know that they can do the work that they're great at, they're supported, they've got the flexibility or the whatever it is that they need yeah. to to do their best. And then, you know, celebrating the team and the great work that they do. And it doesn't cost us anything to thank people. I just had the same conversation with Nikki Romaine, who's joining us this season. And she said that that was one of her biggest struggles was sort of thinking that your teams had to be many versions of you, right? And and what I think is so cool about the GPLC that you're a part of is that we're all so different leaders. And so part of the decision-making process, it isn't coming out of one or two people. We've been really intentional about making sure all voices are heard and have input into those decisions so that we can make the best choices going forward. I just wanted to ask, that's been your experience being part of the team? Absolutely. And I think, you know, when we can get people that are in the room that are different than us, it used to, when I was younger, I would feel maybe uncomfortable. That's not the way I would do it, right? That's the way you think. But now I think, well, they're doing it that way and it works for them. So let me think about how I could incorporate something like that into my repertoire of how I'm managing people. I love that. And I think, again, you know, this idea of, I just saw a visual of kind of what you think of your typical hierarchy where there's a leader at the top and then everyone's underneath. And if you flip it over and the leader's underneath with their hands up holding everybody, up. I really think about it that way. They're they're doing the day-to-day work that is so difficult and so complicated. And I know because I've been there and I've done it myself. My job is just to tell everybody about it, which is something that I really like. It's fun. It's enjoyable. It solves people's problems. And by getting other people in the room that think differently, to me, that's what makes it fun. I'm comfortable in the job and I know that I can do the work that needs to be done. Every day is still a huge challenge. And that's my favorite kind of a role. And I've had that before where I've been at the Caterpillar Foundation for a long time, but every day was still such a big challenge. But I really like that that part of it. And that's what I appreciate about GPLC. It's a new place to be with new people with new ideas. I love that. I have a quote on my whiteboard that says something to the effect of leadership is not just being able to see a vision, but it's being able to communicate it. And I think that's what's been so hard too, is there's so many ideas, it's packaging them up and putting it out in a way that we're telling Peoria's story. I think we're doing okay though. I think we're getting started on that and people are embracing it. It's going to take a long time because yeah. we have a lot of stories to tell, which is great, which means we can keep the conversation going. Absolutely. Think back to your career. What would you say are some of your like most proud accomplishments that you now have turned into sort of secrets of success? You know, I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily, you know, this job or that job or that work. I think it's the interesting combination of all of it, this weird stew of my career. You know, when I was at Converse Marketing, you know, one day I would be behind a, a 
some red brain fence at Keystone trying to get a cow to go towards the, the, oh, the fence funny. for the photo shoot. And then I go, go to the office, switch the shoes out, head over to Biagi's, work on their menu. It's My career's kind of been like that. And I think that that interesting combination of really, you know, unique experiences, irrigation industry, municipalities in, in Europe, the advertising industry can be so interesting, working with heavy equipment and right. talking about that kind of work and what that means and all the different things that Caterpillar does. And now to look at all of the nonprofits around the world. To me, I think the thing that I'm most proud of is connecting with people and the, the teams that have come together to find the right people for the right jobs is so satisfying. Yeah. I really love that. I love that you talked about all those different kinds of experiences. My predecessor, Susie Ketterer, used to tell me that creativity is the art of seeing connections. And I think that's one of the my favorite quotes because in the advertising world, you get to sort of bridge those different industries all day long, but you're still laddering them up to these broader leadership philosophies. So your career has given you an opportunity to kind of do that too. Well, and especially for someone who used to be much more black and white. Now I can find kind of the middle creativity in between that, which is, oh, you should talk to so-and-so. You should be connected to this person. Yeah, Let's yeah. put this person over here. It's all about like putting a puzzle together to get to the right results. And you've got a new puzzle every day. It's a whole system for sure. What about failures? Is there anything you look back in your career and think, man, I wish I would have done that differently, but you every single day. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, you know, kind of embracing, I used to feel, you know, this angst and this anxiety around failure. And I had a leader who every day we'd sit down and say, okay, here's, here's what didn't go well today. And I used to think this job stinks. Yeah. I stink. This is really hard. And the, as time goes on, I'm much better able to see the failures, quote unquote, in life really are just more chances to grow. Yeah. And if we all stayed exactly the same as we were at 10 or 15 or 20 years old, oh gosh, I would not want to go back to that me. Yeah. And to really think about and appreciate people and the experiences. There have been lots of times where I think, oh, I wish I wouldn't have said that. I wish I wouldn't have done that. This could have been better. And there's that kind of, you know, humiliation and embarrassment that goes along with that. But on the other hand, I wouldn't be here today doing this if those things hadn't happened. So I think it's really, you know, embracing the failures. It stinks when you're in the middle of it. It does not feel good. But really knowing that you're growing through this. And that's, I think, what really builds resilience too. And I think that's something that's very natural about this community. We're a very, very resilient community. I couldn't agree more. And I, everything you said resonates because I, um, I have a side business I call the Misty Effect. And I talk about that need for self-compassion because in early in your career, you kind of beat yourself up a lot, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you go home at night and your brain tells you things that aren't true. So I've had to really work on that throughout my career as well. It's true. And I hope that young people that are listening to this really, you know, embrace the failures, you know, I mean, you yeah. can't learn to walk if you don't fall a few times. And it's a, it's an important part of the process. Well, in this whole movement, we're going to fail. And that's what I've been very transparent about when reporters call me, that sort of thing. You know, like we're not going to get it right the first time. We went into this knowing that, mm -hmm. that we were going to look at the data. We were going to pivot as we went along. I feel like we've been doing that. And just yesterday, I had a very sort of like come to Jesus point in this process where it was like, you know what? Sometimes when there's constraints, it makes you better, it makes you more creative. And I love that space. It's true. And I think that I try to even live my day-to-day -day life this way. If if you can get the, the big stuff in place, put the big rocks in the jar first, right? It gives you the the room to flex when things are weird. So, you know, I try to stamp on the laundry because somebody's going to need, where's my soccer uniform? Where's this? Where's that? And I think about it the same way in our work life. The way that we approached this was we're going to start slow, knowing that. And the great thing about digital media, which is so much better than, you know, paper advertising right. that we used to do. <laughs> You can change as you go. Yeah. You can adjust. It might have been right yesterday, but what we need today is something different. Yeah. And that idea that we can adjust and flex as we go, I think that's really the secret sauce. 
I do too. This isn't a typical marketing campaign where you're trying to sell a new product introduction for Caterpillar, right? Like the goal is shifting. So we have to be able to shift with it. That's a different concept for maybe somebody who doesn't understand our world, but it's been fun to do that dance at Samantha to build this operating model back and forth with the business leaders on, well, what do we need today? Right. And And it's uncomfortable, isn't it? it? Right. Because change isn't, wouldn't it be easy if we just pushed play and (laughs) had to walk away and let everything go. But when we're constantly forcing ourselves to ask ourselves tough questions, how can this be better? How can this be better? It's tiring, but the work itself is better. And I think that's the, that really helps us grow. I love it. We'll get back to the rest of the interview in just a minute. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Symantle. I happen to know a thing or two about them because I'm one of the owners. Symantle is an industrial consumer marketing firm with an obsessive focus on customer experience. We not only execute killer marketing campaigns, but we help organizations align around goals, audiences, messages, channels, and tactics to create more than campaigns, but programs that align to business strategies. Symantle has 40 years experience crafting positive, engaging customer experiences at every point in the consumer journey. And if you like what you hear on this podcast, head to samantle.com slash blog for more content. You'll find articles, tips and tricks, do-it-yourself tools, webinars, and more to help you keep learning and growing right along with us. All right. Last question for you. We asked this of every interviewee. What is a question that you're struggling with right now that you'd love to put out in the universe and get some advice? Well, I think for us is how do we get more people to understand about what we do? Okay. I'm one human being. There are yeah. 24 hours in a day. Right. How do we build more advocates in the community? How do we get more people to understand the great value that our nonprofits bring, even if you don't need them today, mm-hmm. um, the value that we can get around sharing who we are and what we do. And maybe we, we maybe we think about even the words United Way differently or some sort of different tagline yeah. in terms of how we connect people. But I, I love this idea that we are a part of Choose Greater Peoria, not just United Way, but all of the nonprofits. And so maybe really think about how do we make the nonprofit community kind of an integral part of everyone's world? Yeah, I love that. So do you have creative freedom in that or do you have to work with corporate to kind of figure that well, out? Well, you know, there's that we certainly, you know, as a part of the United Way Worldwide Network, we, we can't go too far off path, but sure. we can make it, we can make it our own and make it right for our local communities. Yeah. Well, I admire what you're doing to sort of take that philosophy that just embedding yourself within the businesses, building those advocates. I think that's so true. It's what we're doing on Choose Greater to make sure that it's not just some sort of corporate entity that's talking, it's the people talking. And it sounds like you share that philosophy. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for all you're doing for Peoria. And I'm just glad to be your friend and somebody who gets to take advantage of all of your leadership. (laughs) I am so glad you're doing this. I love listening to your podcast. Really appreciate you you doing everything you do. All right. We'll talk soon. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Marketing Sweats. In season eight, I'm sitting down with leaders from Peoria area businesses and civic organizations to talk about the huge collaborative effort underway to raise up our community called Choose Greater Peoria. We're all joining forces like never before to promote the place we call home, where you can work greater, live greater, and play greater. That's the Greater Peoria Advantage. To learn more about this movement, visit choosegreaterpeoria.org. And if you like this episode, you can hear more at our website, marketingsweats.com, or any of the major podcast listening platforms. You'll find over 70 episodes with guests like marketers, business consultants and leaders, personal and professional development coaches and authors covering a range of topics like B2B marketing, CX, brand building, data, tech, and more. That's a wrap for today. Keep up the good work, friends, and we'll chat soon.